Hey everyone, I'm Michael. And I'm Richie. Welcome to What's on Second, a true baseball podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of What's on Second, a true baseball podcast. It's Richie and Michael back on the diamond once again, buddy. How we doing? Oh, we're doing good. We're doing good. You know, baseball's looking a little nicer for me in the immediate. Not that Cleveland's gone on a 22-game win streak again, but they are seeming to be playing better right now. The we DFA'd Plesak, which again, outside of the mumbo jumbo with with the pandemic shortened season, what he and Clevenger did, and some other antics, uh, he he was a good player. So I hope you know that a team picks him up and that can give him consistent run support and that he does well. I have a team but, that could pick him up. I'd like them. The Phillies. Hi. Yeah. I, I. You know what? I'll roll the <laughs> dice. I'll take it. Give me a fifth starter, for God's sake. If I roll out a bullpen game every fifth day, I might rip my own eyeballs out for watching it. Because, you know, I'm a glutton for punishment, and I just decide, you know what, I'll watch anyway. At this point, I feel like they're going to end up probably just releasing him, and then you guys can actually pick pick him up for whatever the minimum is. Oh, fine, do it. Can't hurt. I mean, I think he would actually do well in Philly. It's a solid team that can put up egads of runs on any given night. Not that Cleveland can't, but when you when you compare the Guardians to the the Phillies, Phillies have the much better likelihood to drop twelve on any any given day. But Nick Camino, a analyst in Cleveland, tweeted out the other day that it, a point that really made sense, and I I had to stop and kind of really agree with him. Uh, He said that you can be frustrated, upset, all of the above with how the Guardians have played this season, but Terry Francona's club has yet to find its stride, sits only three games out of first place, and they still have 103 games to play. Sure, they have their warts, but who doesn't? There's a long way to go. I think that's a fantastic way to put it. In the moment, it sucks, and I get angry, and then I stew over it for a while, but he's completely right. We, We are in the worst division in baseball. There is over 100 games to go still, and there's no reason to think that they aren't going to hit their stride at some point. They just need the bullpen to keep it up, you know, get back to their form and be dominant consistently. Uh, We got Savali back, had a fantastic game against Twins that naturally we lost. Sticks came out and pitched his season debut on Sunday and was absolutely dominant. And we actually, I don't want to say held on in one, but we beat the Twins 2-1. to one. So all it's going to take is them just remembering who they are and what they do. And then hopefully having Josh Bell remember, oh, I don't need to do too much. Let me just go up here and flick the bat. And, oh, it's going to go 450 feet. I'm happy Why, thank you're you. so positive. I'm not. I'm just not going <laughs> to go there, though. But that's. That'll be a topic for another discussion because it's going to come up in Bok Talk, and I'm sure I'll explain myself more there. What's on the lineup card for us today, my friend? 
Alrighty, guys. So like we or I both of us mentioned at the end of last week's episode, we're going to kind of bring a, another little change to the format here and uh, kind of try this new leadoff segment, which is a either a team or a player that we're up on, that we're high on, we think is doing well, is in the right direction. They have a good trajectory going. And then uh, we're going to pick a team or a player that we're down on. They're not doing so hot. Maybe things are going to start to get a little dicey for them. And I think this is also a good time to kind of try this segment out because we're starting to get into the meat and potatoes, the middle of this season. When you got to start. Yes. The dog days are not over. They are just beginning. But we're going to try this leadoff segment uh, starting tonight. And then we're going to transition into a topic that Richie saw on an article from MLB.com. But it's seven teams that are underperforming. And if I remember correctly, that could end up turning it around. Um, how they can turn and how they can turn yeah, it around. So, yes, which he is going to take charge of. And then obviously we'll finish the episode off with Bog Talk, which Richie always takes the uh, uh, the reins with. However, I actually have one to throw in here. Thank you, TikTok, for showing me this intriguing question that I actually couldn't tell you what Richie will say about it. So I'm in, I'm excited. Oh, boy, that, that intrigues me greatly. <laughs> but all right, guys, we're going to transition into this leadoff segment, a, a player that we're or team that we're high, uh, high on and a player or a team that we're low on that is down. It's, it's not looking so hot. I'll go ahead and lead this one off. Please do. And I think we'll just, the I'll just give both of mine. I'll You're just give both of mine. Love it. Yeah. So the player this week that I'm choosing to focus on that I think is on the right trajectory is Logan Webb. In his last seven games, he is three and two with a 1.86 ERA uh, with 48.1 innings pitch, 46 strikeouts and 11 walks. So I know that we have kind of, I don't want to say talked down on the Giants, but we know that. We kind of uh, think of them as more of an afterthought. We don't really talk down on them. We kind of, <laughs> yeah. Not that we don't talk about them at all. That's not the right way to put it. But we don't consider them promising. a legit contender. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Of those uh, last few starts, the last one he had against the Orioles was a loss, uh, where he went and threw seven innings. He gave up four hits and three earned runs, uh, while walking only one and striking out six, which. I mean, that's that scenario. I always say that if your starter gives gives you uh, seven innings and only gives up three runs, that's a fantastic start because not they're not going to go out there every single day and give up one or none, especially to a team like Baltimore, who could easily drop nine on you. And the game's almost over before it began. Two starts prior uh, was against the Brewers, where he again pitched seven innings giving up four hits and only one run, walking one again and striking out 11. And uh, that one, uh, he got the win in. And then three strikes, uh, sorry, three strikes, <laughs> three strikes, you're out. Um, yeah, really? I was going to say, boy, you're <laughs> out already. <laughs> Dang it. Three starts ago uh, was a no decision or a loss to Miami where he threw six innings, gave up uh, four hits, no earned runs, walked two, and struck out seven uh, for a no decision. And to kind of add a, just a few more to it, 
he had another start against Miami or no Arizona where he threw seven innings, three hits, one earned run, three walks, three strikeouts, a start against Washington where he uh, gave up. Uh, he pitched nine innings. He gave up nine hits, but only one earned run, one walk, seven Ks. And then a start against Houston where he went seven and two thirds innings, gave up five hits, two earned runs, two walks, and five Ks. So I see this as quite an improvement because he kind of had a little bit of a, a rough start to 2023 where it was rough for Logan Webb's pedigree, what he's shown us he can do in the past. Uh, but he's really started to amp it up, show why he is San Francisco's ace. I think if he keeps doing this, because he's played a lot of these past six, seven starts have been against good teams, you know, with the Astros, the Diamondbacks, we know that the Marlins aren't going to win the East and probably not going to make the playoffs, but they do have a, got a lot of good talent on that team, Milwaukee and Baltimore. So I think as long as he keeps this up, he's going to give San Francisco a lot to, I mean, not that he hasn't given them something to be excited about, but he's going to help keep them near that 500 mark and at least go for 500 baseball. Yeah. Now, it's just a shame he plays on a team that is not going to give him enough run support, to be really honest. That's no. all it is. That offense is so bad. Now, the team that I am down on, uh, I went with a team for my down side, eh, no pun intended, is the Cincinnati Reds. Now, currently, they sit tied for the longest losing streak with the A's, uh, with the Las Vegas A's. Let me correct myself. At four games lost in a row. Uh, I know that they they started the season off well. They're not playing even remotely close to how they played uh, when they had that historically bad start. Uh, a la kind of similar to what Oakland's doing, although Oakland's much, much worse, at least in this four game stretch. But as this 2023 season has gone on, it seems like their weakest link is their bullpen. Their first loss in this losing streak on the 1st of June was to Boston, where they scored two runs on seven hits, while Boston scored eight runs on eight hits. Then game one, Against Milwaukee, they lost an extra scoring four runs on three hits and Milwaukee getting five runs on seven. And then in game two, which was another loss, obviously, they scored eight runs on 11 hits. So their offense kind of showed up, but their pitching just completely failed them because Milwaukee scored 10 runs on 11 hits. And obviously they continued their losing streak. And then yesterday, in game three, they only were able to get one run on six hits with the crew getting five runs on seven. So their pitching needs to get better. Hunter Greens looked good. Uh, Graham Ashcroft had a loss in one of the games against Milwaukee. So just all around, Cincinnati needs to focus on the pitching side. And if they do that, maybe they could, at least in the next year or two, shoot for a 500 record. I, I want to see them do good. They're one of those teams that you want to get behind because they've been bad for so long. I think the last time they were really uh, productive was, uh, was it when they got no hit? Or no, it was in 2014, I think. Yeah, like four, early early 10s and yeah. uh, about till about probably about 16 or so, and then they kind of fell off. But yeah, I, I think... Logan Webb is in the right direction. Uh, he just needs to keep doing his thing. Trust his, the the team to get as many runs as they can and try to just not let three runs bug you because 
if you have a three run outing where you only give up three earned runs, that many, many, many pitchers are going to, you know, shoot for that mark. And then the Reds, if they can get some good pitching, particularly in the bullpen, I think they could be a fun team to watch. But I Richie, the, I was actually uh-huh. very surprised you picked the Reds as your down team. Um, while they have been down the last couple games, uh, they've actually surprisingly been more up than down, in my opinion, considering mm-hmm. where they were last year, because they were yeah. woefully bad last year. But I will start with my up, and my up is a player as well. And it's a player that, believe it or not, I would never have thought if you told me last year I get to tell this player is on an upswing, I probably would have said you're full of garbage. But that player is Nick Castellanos. And the reason I picked Nick Castellanos is this. In his last seven games, Nick Castellanos, for the woefully terrible Phillies that has been going on right now, because they've been <laughs> horribly bad up until this last two se- uh, series against the Nationals where they took two or three. Last seven games for Nick Castellanos. He w- had 28 at-bats, three runs, 12 hits, two home runs, six RBIs, a walk, four Ks, which is significantly down for him. And one stolen base. I'm not really worried about that. But average of 429 with an OBP of 433 and a slugging percentage of 714. The guy single-handedly, I think in this last series against Washington, I think he had eight hits. Uh, Yes, he had eight hits the entire series, which is ridiculous considering where he was. This year alone, he is batting a 316 with an OBP of 360, OPS of 858. He has seven home runs, 34 RBIs. Leeds is Mm -hmm. up there in the league leading doubles. I believe he's up to eight outfield assists already, which is kind of ridiculous, considering he's not known for his defense, but has been one of the best defending outfielders in the game this year. I, and after last year watching, he's learned how to take a slider off the plate. Biggest thing we ever saw. I mean, it, all it took, and if you need an example, go look at the last out of the flipping World Series last year. It was a slider off the outside corner that he chased <laughs> and popped up. It was just an easy can of corn end of the year. He's really settled in. He's found a home now in Philly. He feels comfortable, and you can kind of see him putting the team on his back right now, which they severely need, seeing as they have so many injuries and things like that. But Yes, Nikki C is uh, my my player on the rise right now. For my on the decline or not looking so fine team I chose, I chose the Seattle Mariners. And it's mm-hmm. a very big reason why. A, the AL West has gotten a lot more competitive than we all thought. Not that we thought Houston was going anywhere, but we all kind of slept on Texas, I would say. They made some big moves in the offseason, but Texas has come out here and shown that they are real for real. They are here to play. And I think the biggest thing that Seattle had since they won, they made the playoffs last year. They obviously didn't win the West. They made the playoffs. They had a window to make some improvements and really do something this offseason to really bolster their team, and they did nothing. And I said mm-hmm. this during the offseason, that I think that's going to come back and haunt them, and it severely has. If you mm-hmm. look at their roster right now, they have two guys that are hitting above 250 in the entire lineup, and one guy at 250, which is not fair. All of those guys, none of them are named Julio Rodriguez, might I add. The two above the 250 mark and one at the 250 mark is the at 250 is Jose Caballero. Above is Jared Clintac at 270 and Ty France at 269. The rest of the team is below. They're all sitting at like 241 and under. It's not good. Yeah. They have some of the best pitching 
though, in the league. So this, I say that they're on the decline. They have some really good pitching. They're getting no support whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Luis Castillo has been having a good year. He's got a, he's four and three with a 2.55 ERA, but he's only four and three. Logan Gilbert is three and three. He's got a 4.08 ERA, but you look at his stuff, it's all there, and he's got 73 Ks. Ridiculous. George Kirby is five and four. He's at a 3.04 ERA. Stick any one of those guys on the Phillies roster, and they might actually be a team to contend with. You have Paul Seawald still in the bullpen, throwing up saves like crazy. Any opportunity he gets, he's 11 of 12. This literally whole thing of why I'm down on them is their bats have gone colder than ice, and they have nobody to come in and back them up. It's not injuries. They're not hurt. They're not taking advantage of anything. They're losing series every time they get. The last three series they've had, they lost two of three from Texas just a minute, just this past weekend. They lost two of three from New York before that. And then the, at the series before that, they lost two out of three to Pittsburgh, who was on a decline in their own right, and they just helped Pittsburgh right their ship. They need to get the bats figured out and in a hurry, and they need to make some moves to put some offense on that team because that team is too good pitching-wise for this to be the case. I don't know what the move would be. I am not obviously a GM and have inside knowledge of everything, huh. nor do I follow the Mariners like up close and personal all the time, but they've got to do something. The one thing I will say that is a caveat for them, they are still only one game under 500. They are nine and a half games out of the AL West, which is not good for them, but they are only six games out of the wild card. They do still have a plus three run differential. So they are still positive in the run differential even unless all of this, which is still better than a team like Philadelphia, who's still negative 36 in the run differential when you look at things like that, who is also eight games out of the end, at least. So there's reason for hope, but at the same point in time, what the heck would be my question. So, yes, my player on the rise, I did kind of go with a homer, but I felt like he was needing to be spotlighted because he won't be by the national media because he's not that guy, uh, Mm -hmm. Cassianos. And uh, my guy, my team on the decline is the Seattle Mariners. Cassianos is a good, good option to go with for a player on the rise, especially like you mentioned several times. He he had such a poor year last year, and then it it makes a lot of sense why Seattle would be your your team on the down the downside because they do have a lot of talent and it's just you know you ask where did, where did the bats go you know Cal Raleigh is a great at least offensive hitting catcher uh then you have Eugenio Suarez Teoscar Hernandez who has apparently forgot himself in Toronto uh hasn't even remotely come close to looking like the guy that was just tearing it up north of the border uh, so, then... so just to put it in perspective, you named a bunch of good names right there in Teoscar, Eugenio Suarez, and Cal Raleigh. Just put it in perspective of how bad they are right now. And I'm, try- I'm not trying to rub salt in the wound. I'm just being honest. Eugenio Suarez batting 211 with a 314 OBP. Teoscar Hernandez batting 241 with a 280 OBP. All of them are slugging below 500. And Cal Raleigh with a 226 average. His OBP is not terrible at 305. That's pretty impressive from where he is. But a 429 slugging percentage. They're all gone. They're like, it's yep. the most anemic numbers they've all had. To compare with Philadelphia, Cleveland is to some degree in the same spot. You know, thankfully we're up in second place now. We're only three and a half back of our first place club. 
eight games back in the wild card, which the wild card is 120% irrelevant at this point for any central team. But like Philadelphia, you know, in theory, we're not as bad as what it could be. And we're well into that negative run differential at negative 31. So Seattle, it's disappointing. I mean, they're only a game under 500, but they're in fourth place. So I would like to see them, you know, like you said, add to that team, get some bats in there, do something to spice that team up because with them being, I mean, sure, they're nine and a half back, but you're you're a game under with like what the Cleveland reporter said, over a hundred to go, even if yep. you're at a hundred or ninety-nine, even eighty games, that is a massive chunk of the season where you if if you're at twenty nine and thirty all you got to do is just get a spark in that lineup and watch out. Seattle could easily take off. Yeah, absolutely. They're on a decline right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if they make some. Yeah. But speaking of teams on declines, shall we continue on to a fun let's... topic of teams on declines? <laughs> um, let's go ahead and transition to this uh, this article you found, Richie. Yes. Uh, so we're on our way to this article. It's, again, seven underperforming teams and how they can turn it around. I love the very first line of this whole <laughs> thing is, it's still early, but not that early. Uh, June really is a pivotal month for underperforming teams because it's kind of where you're going to find out whether you're going to become a buyer or a seller in this whole situation. Yep. Now, with the six wild cards, I'm sorry, with the three wild cards, six teams getting in, it makes for a lot more options of people getting into uh, the postseason, which makes buying yep. and selling a lot more of buyers being in the case uh, at the trade deadline which is what makes it really fun. I mean, I think last year was one of the most fun trade deadlines we had. I know you and I had a blast when we got to the trade deadline, oh. shooting stuff back and forth to each other. So with that being said, we're going to move on here. We have seven teams here that we're going to talk about. First team is the the New York Steve Cohen pocketbooks. I mean, I'm sorry, the <laughs> New York Mets. The Mets had the, where do they stand? The Mets had the third best postseason odds in the National League entering the seasons more than two months since opening day. They still have the third best odds in the NL, believe it or not. But that doesn't mean everything has been rosy in New York. Uh, spent May hovering around the 500 mark, uh, never getting more than three games over or under. The team that will try to build some positive momentum after finishing a sweep of the Phillies, which they just did on Thursday to move to 30-27 on the year. Uh, but they did drop the season op- series opener to the Blue Jays at the time of this article. This is the article that was out on June 3rd. We're recording on June 5th, just to give you some perspective here. So if the numbers seem a little goofy, that would be why. Where they need to improve, the biggest thing they need to improve, their pitching staff has recorded a 4.84 ERA, a 4.91 FIP through 57 games. Max Scherzer has started to turn things around, which is nice. We have seen that. A little scary but, for you. Yeah, very scary to see. But Verlander, uh, and Verlander started to do the same after missing most of April, but they need uh, some more help along that lines from everybody else in that roster. That roster with Kodai Senga and Carlos Carrasco. Uh, And they Mm -hmm. also need more production on offense Uh, um, from Francisco Lindor, who has a 97 OPS plus Starling Marte is a 75 plus. They need those guys to start picking it up to support both Pete Alonso and Brandon Nimmo. God forbid. I can't stand Pete Alonso and Brandon Nimmo. They both drive me insane. Um, (laughs) But with both of them, the Mets still have a 67.3% chance to make the playoffs as of right now when this article was written. 
Do I like the unit's odds? Yeah, more than likely I do. Um, unfortunately, yeah. as much as I don't like to say that, they have pretty good odds. They're starting to turn it around, and I've saw it firsthand watching them destroy my team. But at the same point in time, they're very gettable. I'd like to say the Phillies lost more of those games than the Mets won them, if that makes sense. Uh, I yeah. felt like there was some bonehead decisions and things like that. So there's a lot of things of positivity there. Team number two is, again, not a surprise. It's the San Diego Padres. Uh, where they stand after defeating the Dodgers in the 222, let's try again, the 2022 NLDS. Uh, this was supposed to be the Dodge, the Padres challenged their rivals for the NLS supremacy. However, San Diego hasn't been more than three games above 500 all season. It has been below the mark every day since May 12th. They are eight and a half games out of first place in the NL West and three and a half out of the wildcard race as of the time of this article. Where they need to improve. Scoring runs has been a problem for the Padres all year, <laughs> which is not a surprise if you've watched any Padres games whatsoever. It makes no sense with how stacked that lineup is. With a lineup that features Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Xander Bogarts, you would think they would run away with things, but they have not at all this year. Even if you assume that all the Padres' offense will eventually get it together, now that Machado is back from the injured list, team's rotation has been awful as of this year. You Darvish... Yeah. Joe Musgrave and Blake Snell have combined for a 4.59 ERA, a 4.4, uh, 4.64 FIP over 28 starts. That's not good enough <laughs> at all. Not even close. They're well on their way to turning it around. They just need, I honestly think the pitching is more of the big deal than the bats. Yes, it was shocking the bats didn't wake up, mm-hmm. but it is, uh, it's all signs are pointing to they can make things happen here. It just needs to get steamrolling for them. Team number three. Is again a team that's kind of <laughs> a team that's in the worst division to possibly be at if you're underperforming, yet you're doing really you're not really underperforming that badly. It's the Toronto Blue Jays. The Blue Jays were expected to challenge for the AL East title this year. They find themselves at the time of this article in fourth place. They are back in fourth place now. I just checked. Uh they were in fifth for a while. Uh yeah. behind the first place maze with three and a half game nine games out of first place in the AL East and three and a half games out of the AR wildcard. Toronto has moved its record to 24 and 16 with a sweep of the Braves on May 12th to the 14th, only to go two and nine in a tailspin after that against the Yankees, Orioles, and Rays, all AL East opponents. Toronto is six and 15 against the AL East this season. I would say that's a big cause of concern. Where they need to improve, the offense has been very underwhelming recently. Since Matt Chapman has started super hot, he has slumped since. We've talked about that numerous times. Bo Bichette, Vladdy, Jr. and Chapman need more support from the rest of the lineup, especially George Springer, who has an OPS of plus of just 102. Dalton Varsho at 80 OPS plus. And Alejandro Kirk, who was a huge part of this team last year, has basically seemingly fallen off the map. I don't see him getting used very often. He has almost become a backup catcher, it seems like. They keep on putting Danny Jensen in more than they put him in, which I find very interesting because I think Kirk is still very good. But for whatever reason, I don't know whether it's a health thing or what have you, but they don't put Kirk in the lineup, and that's not very good. The other thing that's a very big problem, Alex Manoa, who was third in the AL Cy Young last year, uh, has gone 1-6 and six with a 5.46 ERA, a 1.77 whip, and a 48-41 to 41 K to walk ratio in 12 starts. That K to walk ratio is awful. It's almost one for one, which is disgustingly bad. Like, that's something you might see a reliever do. Not a starter. And not a starter that's coming off a Cy Young season almost last year. Because he had a pretty good argument last year. He had no chance of winning it. But he had a really good argument. 
I mean, with the three the three teams you've talked about so far, the Mets kind of are like the antithesis to like per se the Guardians, where they have. Tell me the the Phillies. Do they struggle to score runs, or is their biggest thing the pitching side? Both. Or is it a bit of both. Both. <laughs> so. Um. Uh, I, I defer to the uh, C. Uh, I'll I'll apply here. Uh, all uh, above, all of the above, um, mainly because they are both because their run differential has been awful this year, but they've been I also think, played by injuries, so so that's why. Yeah, I mean, maybe this experiment with the Mets uh, is showing that you know having a five hundred million dollar team isn't all it's cracked up to be because you can have all the talent in the world and it's not going to do much. Now, granted, uh, their pitching staff is you know, the age of senile seniors. So Mad Max was born senile. So there's only so much that can be done about that. But <laughs> I feel like... I love your Mad Max takes. <laughs> yeah. The Mets, it, it, they're they're so up and down. They need to be consistent within the next month or so for me to really feel confident in them having a shot at the playoffs. Then with the Padres, they just need to actually... The stars need to play like stars with both yeah, of those I teams. agree. I think they just haven't I think they just straight up have underperformed. They have not played as no. a team yet. No. We we preach that we try not to be homers, but when you look at what Cleveland did, they they really had no offseason outside of Josh Bell because they didn't need to do it with how they played in uh 2022. You there's only so much you can expect out of second year players and when 75% of your roster is second year players. You you got to expect bumps in and kids forgetting who they are in that second season. Now, you look at the Mets with Verlander and with Scherzer. They're both getting up there in age. You have to expect some sort of fall off. But Lindor, Chapman, uh Nimmo and Alonzo are performing very well. So there's only so much you can expect out of them. But I think another thing is Kodai Senga has been wildly inconsistent. There's been starts where he's looked like, I think in the first or one of the first few episodes, there was something about him being a ghost. He was just, he was lights out. You couldn't see him, but he has so many bad starts too. But then you go over to the Toronto Blue Jays. They've shown that they can, they can perform so well with uh, Bo Bichot and Vladdy as well as Chris Bassett, you know, who has been a very sneaky good starter. With them, I think they're going to regret the Dalton Varsho trade. He, per se, you can make an argument that Varsho needs to turn it around, but I saw a video where the analyst talked about this exact scenario. In Arizona, all of Varsho's statistics were put when in the catching category. So his numbers as a catcher, show that he's a good player. When you put him as a primary outfielder, it shows that he is not a very good player because it's two different positions and what you expect out of each uh-huh. of those. It's it's showing that Toronto got fleeced and that Ross Atkins just absolutely had a horrible trade there, sending, um, I can't think of what the second guy's name was, but Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Gurriel was the biggest part, yeah. Yeah, Gurriel was the biggest part, but I think Moreno or whatever the other guy. Yeah, the name catcher, is, Moreno. He's up there playing with Arizona and doing really well. I'm pretty sure both of them uh, have 300 batting averages. So if anything, with the issues that uh, Alejandro Kirk are having, whatever they may be, Danny Jansen, good catcher. If anything, 
look at what Varsho did in Arizona as a catcher and put him back there. I mean, sure, you might be down an, an outfielder now, but maybe, you know, Teoscar Hernandez isn't liking it in Seattle. Trade for him back. There are other players on, you know, that you can probably get. If I mean, Brent Rooker started off historically hot in Oakland. I don't think Oakland really wants to trade him because he's got so much control left. Bring him to Toronto. I mean, there there's options that these three teams can do to to turn this around, like what the author of this article is saying. I so far, I think the rankings are are spot on. Yes, in case I didn't say it, which is very possible because I was going through quickly. I mentioned the Mets have a sixty-seven point three percent chance to make the playoffs. The Padres have a fifty-eight point three percent chance at this article, uh, and the Blue Jays have a fifty-one percent chance at this article. So they're in coin flip status. Now we go down to some teams that are not huh. so in coin flip status. We're going to start with the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, where they stand, coming off of four straight postseason appearances and an NL Central title in 2022, the Cardinals started off 10-24, and 24, their worst record through 34 games since 1907. Just a couple years ago. Just a few years ago. At that point, they were 10 games out of first place. However, St. Louis has gone 15-9 and nine since it since to trim its deficit to only five and a half games. And its NL card deficit is only five games. Milwaukee has one of the lowest scoring offenses in the NL. Shocker there. And has had a <laughs> bunch of pitching injuries, leaving the door open for the cards to make a run at the division again. Where they need to improve. Rating NL MVP, Paul Goldschmidt is having yet another stellar season. The other superstar infielder, Nolan Arenado, has been very inconsistent. Arenado bounced back from a for in April, it was disgustingly bad to start as strong in May, but he's finished the month for four for 26 and a 154 slump and a 103 OPS plus on the year. Cards rotation, which is the really big issue. I mean, Arenado hasn't been great, but there it the rotation has been nothing short of a mess. Uh, notching a 4.81 ERA with one of the lowest strikeout rates, 19.2% in the game. It's likely the Cardinals will be in the market for a trade pit for a pitcher at the trade deadline, assuming they can remain in the postseason hunt over the next couple <laughs> weeks. The Cardinals' percentage chance to make the playoffs as of this article was 38.2%. The next team that, kind of sounds familiar with what you're talking about. I know! The next team seems a little familiar, and that happens to be the Seattle Mariners. Shocker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where they stand currently after ending a 20-year playoff drought last season, the Mariners haven't played poorly necessarily in 2023, going at the time 29-28. and 28. They are now... 29 and 30 with a plus 22 run differential. I believe now it is at a plus three because of everything that's gone on this year. Yes. So they're currently at a plus three. Obviously this was an article a couple days ago. Uh, however, the AL West has been tougher than anticipated due to the emergence of the Rangers. Seattle was seven and a half games out of first place at the time of the article and four games out of the AL wild card. The pitching staff has kept them afloat as is where they need to improve. The pitching staff has kept them afloat while their offerings has Cratered. Never a good sign when you hear that number. Hey, Oscar Hernandez, Colt Wong, and AJ Pollock combining for an OPS of 584. And Julio Rodriguez taking a step backward from his stellar rookie season, which we kind of you know oh, couldn't expect absolutely. to stay up there. Uh J-Rod showing signs of life near the end of May. He's gone 18 for 43 at 419 with three homers and 10 RBIs in the final 10 games of the month. But even if Rodriguez discovered rediscovers that 2022 form, which he very well could. It's not going to be good until they get some bats to help pack, help him out. Nobody on that roster has a above two, uh, 240 average, except for the two guys uh, that I mentioned earlier. 
Their percentage of making the playoffs as of this article was 23.5%. Not looking great. Yes. <laughs> Time for me to rant. The Phillies! Welcome! Oh, How did man. I know that they'd be here? Uh, <laughs> which is why I didn't really go all off on my rails earlier. It's because I Understood. saved it. Because I knew it was coming. Where do they stand? Well, not much has gone right for the Phillies in the last year. As 2023, much of they've spent much of it below 500, especially since getting swept by the Mets. And are only 10 and 19 since April 30th, falling eight games below the first place Braves in the NL East and four and a half games back in the NL wildcard. Where do they need to improve? Oh, let me count the ways. Based on the article, with such a top-heavy roster, the Phillies need their premier players to produce if they're going to go anywhere. Shocking. Much, most of them have it in 2023. Trey Turner, 77 OPS plus, has a 230 average right now. 230, ladies and gentlemen. That's my $300 million shortstop. Kyle Schwerber has never been good up until June, but has a 91 OPS plus, have both been the biggest culprits of the offensive side. The other biggest problem, the pitching. Michael mentioned it earlier. Opening day starter Aaron Nola has his second has the second worst ERA, 4.740, and strikeout rate 21.5% of his career in a contract year when he wants $200 million. No, you ain't getting it. <laughs> Some positives that I will say. June has started, and alas, in June starts, Kyle Schwarber remembers that he can play baseball again and thaws out. I guess he's just too cold in the beginning months that he needs to thaw out. He's like an oven that we just have to preheat. He's preheated <laughs> now because he goes and hits two home runs yesterday, has six RBIs. Trey Turner looks like his bat is starting to warm up too. He's hitting the ball hard, which is infinitely better than what he was doing because boy, oh boy, he looked like a K machine for a long time there. It looks like there's some positive signs there. I'm hoping that I have better news later on, but at this point, I am frustrated, angry, and uh, all in all, pretty apathetic to this whole season at this point in my life. So <laughs> that's 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 how I feel at the moment and where I feel that is. I'm going to move on before I start to cry a little bit. Um, I'm not moving on to a very good topic, though, because I'm going on to the other team that I have sentimental value <laughs> with, and that's the Cleveland Guardians. Oh, I forgot to mention the Phillies as of right now have a 23.3% chance to make the playoffs as of this article. Woohoo! Yeah, yay! Yeah. Let's go to those Guardians because it's so much better. Yeah. The Cleveland Guardians, where they stand. Last year's AL Central champions have gone 25 and 32 and 23, but they are still only five and a half games out in the division. That was at the time of this article. They're closer now. That's closer to first place than the Guardians were last season at the end of May. They were six games out. Where they need to improve... Well, they didn't Everywhere. hit much for power. The <laughs> Guardians' offense was slightly above average last season with a youthful lineup that put the ball in play, stole bases, and manufactured runs. Cleveland has taken a similar approach this year, but its batted balls aren't falling in for hits nearly as often. As a result, the Guardians are averaging just 3.68 runs per game, tied for the second fewest in the majors behind the A's. <laughs> I think I just killed Michael with that stat. Uh, Andres Jimenez has got an 85 OPS plus. Ahmed Rosario has 68 OPS plus. Oh my God, that's a nauseating sign to look at. And Stephen Kwan has a 96 OPS plus. I'm not so worried about Jimenez and Kwan. I feel like that's fine. Can be right, mm -hmm. right in ships. 68 OPS plus is atrocious. 
That's all I'm going to say. They've all regressed. And free agent additions Mike Zanino and Josh <laughs> Bell haven't provided the power boost that was expected. I don't know who in their right mind thought Zunino was going to be a power boost. but apparently It was off did. of a couple seasons. Combining for seven homers in their last 340 plate appearances, those two. Woohoo! Uh, Jose Ramirez <laughs> and Josh Naylor are the only Cleveland Guardians with an OPS plus higher than 96. Ramirez at 127, Naylor at 109. But here's what I'll say. They're showing signs. There is life happening in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. I feel that they are growing. I think you and I both have discussed this before. Rosario might be your weak link here, and it might be time to uh, cut that cord on that one. I'll get to that in a moment. And try to build off of that. But uh, minus Jose Ramirez and Josh Naylor, Cleveland hitters are the only ones there. That is the shame. That is the seven that are underperforming. The Guardians' percentage chance. Yes. Make the playoffs. Is a whopping 14% as a guaranteed. I feel like that number is a little low for the Guardians, but I also understand why it's that low. And the reason it's that low, if people are trying to figure that out from home, is really the wild card is just not an option for them. They have but one option, and that is to win the division. I think that goes for anybody in the AL Central at this point. So, again, just a brief recap here, and then I'll let Michael get his final thoughts on this. The Mets, 67.3% chance to make the playoffs as of now at the article. Padres, 58.3%. We both agree, probably going to make it, both of them. Blue Jays, 51%. Should make it, depending on how ruckus the AL East gets is really their problem. Cardinals, 38.2%. Mariners, 23.5%. Phillies, 23.3%. And Cleveland, the Guardians, 14%. I'll let you get your final thoughts. Yeah, we'll go over these last few teams, I think. The Cardinals are kind of, if anything, to be honest, the most surprising team on this list for me because... I would agree. When you look at what their issue is with their pitching, that team has so consistently, over the last decade, been known for strong starters and strong bullpens. Although, I don't know if they have like a psychic on their team because usually when they say, okay, we're going to trade a Shelby Miller, we're going to trade a Trevor Rosenthal, we're going to trade this guy and that guy even whenever they were doing so well, then they go to another team and either they get injured, they have some career altering procedure done. And then they're a shell of what they used to be. You think of the Cardinals, you think of pitching and it's just simply not been, been there. I think Nolan has been fairly consistent with his defense, which is the biggest thing to expect out of him. Uh, I'm not entirely worried about his offense, but there are that, that team as in general, has probably been the most disappointing to me so far just because of how well they played last year and then how this year is currently going. They should, in theory and on paper, have a good team around DJ Polly G, and they don't, or at least they're not playing up to what they've shown in the past. I think, obviously, they got a point, you know, look for the Cardinals to be active uh, at the trade deadline for a starter. But if you're not confident you're going to overtake Milwaukee, are you really going to go and, you know, spend from your your prospect depth to get a a starter, especially if it's going to end up being a rental? I don't know if I would want to do that. If I were St. Louis, maybe you just, you know, ride it out and see. Yeah, you ride it out because next year I would expect and at this point predict that it will be a different story on June 5th in 2024. Moving on to the Mariners, with how well the NL West is playing, I don't AL know West. if I... 
sorry. <laughs> this is two weeks in a row I've done this. And I'm probably going to do it in the rest of during the rest of the episode. But for the AL West, I just don't know. I I mean, they're they are good enough, and their pitching has been light it, lights. I don't want to say lights out, but it has been good enough to where if they can start clicking and those bats that have gone completely ice cold can start coming around. Who knows? Maybe they can catapult themselves into second place and overtake Anaheim and. Uh, I was going to say into the Texas teams, but I think with the more likely being Anaheim finishes in fourth, but the angels have been playing solid baseball as of late, but really in, in this year in general. So I, I think the Mariners, maybe they would be the better team to be at 14% than Cleveland just because of the the divisions that they play in, not because of talent. I would agree. I actually kind of was surprised they were as high as they were. I thought that was yeah. kind of a little slanted, in my opinion, as well. The Phillies, maybe it's a World Series hangover. Uh, who knows? You know, maybe I think with in terms of Trey, he's trying too hard. He got that three hundred million dollar contract. He's playing with Bryce. He's he's in in a a great city with a fantastic ball club. So. He feels he's got to earn it, which oh, he's pressing think, like crazy. Yeah, he, he he'll come around and he'll remember. You know what? I'm just gonna go out there and be you know Mr. Smooth, uh, like I usually am. He'll figure it out. I'm not surprised with Aaron Nola. I've never been high on him, which is why in the uh, episode where we talked about predictions and whatnot, where players would go, and I had him making so significantly fewer dollars than what you did. I've just never been a big, big Nola believer. If so I'm being honest he... with you, even though he's grown up in my system and I've seen him, his development hasn't been what I wanted it to be. And I think the problem is, and it nothing was funnier than, so he gets, he does not put up a clean inning after he gets a lead. It's mm-hmm. the most infuriating thing of all time because you give him a lead and you're like, okay, I need you to have a shutdown inning, have momentum, keep it. Get the bats back up. They don't necessarily have to score more runs, but like just have a shutdown inning, and he will not do it. And Ben mm-hmm. Davis, one of our analysts, was so funny. The pit, Nello threw a pitch. It was his cutter. It just cuts right over the center of the plate, just all barrel all day long, and just gets tattooed out of the ballpark. And it's funny that that's like his fourth best pitch. And finally, Ben Davis goes, you know, sometimes if you don't really feel like your fourth best pitch is bringing it today, you should probably abandon it for the day and bring it back out at another time. And I was like, holy God, what a natural thing. If anything has ever proven to us, look at Spencer Strider. The guy lives on two pitches, fastball, slider, mixes in a third with a changeup every once in a while. And it's not Mm -hmm. a good changeup. And even he has said it is not a very good changeup, which is why it gets thrown in there 5% of the time. Mm -hmm. But he pitches those two pitches ridiculously well and they can go anywhere he wants them to go it's that's Hello. a crazy thing of you know having command and being able to change uh hitters eye level and catch them off kilter and even if they do you know guess right on which pitch which pitch is coming in they have no idea where in the zone or out of the zone it's going to be so i agree with you on nola and i i kind of went off on a tangent and really it's just pent-up aggression at this moment um understand understood i I agree with you on Trey Turner. I think Trey Turner is pressing. I think he'll get it figured out. I'm really less worried about him 
really don't like that every time we assign somebody to a big contract, they have a year where they just can't play. A la last year with Castellanos, the year before that, you know, even Harper's first half of his first year in Philly was rough till he remembered that he was Bryce Harper and then he woke up again. Pitching is the biggest problem. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, not having a fifth starter. Dave Dombrowski has a lot to pay when he pays Taiwan Walker for, you know, $80 million. And instead of signing both re-signing Zach Eflin, who's having a great year in Tampa, or hmm. signing Nathan Avaldi in Texas, uh, who went to Texas on a bargain of a deal and is, is doing pitching fantastic. lights out. Yeah. Why is that the deal when, or why could you not have gotten Walker to be your fifth starter and gotten somebody else there? Ranger Suarez being back and healthy, that's great. Shines are good. We need a fifth starter. And Andrew yeah. Painter waiting for the kid is not it right now. The kid has got a UCL. Let him heal. He's 19. Yeah. I don't need to see him for a long time. To, to round out this segment before we finish with Bog Talk, with my Guardians, trying to take the unbiased approach of I don't think 14% is exactly uh, the correct number I there. I agree. I don't it's, think it's, it's right either. all because of that division. And it's going to all be because of that. You know, when you look at the fact that four out of the five teams have a negative run differential and they're only three and a half games behind. And the more the more time, like I said at the beginning, the more time that this club has its uh, has the ability to find its its image, its stride uh, to just rediscover themselves. The Minnesota Twins, if they don't put enough of a distance between them, they're going to end up regretting it. And we're going to show that 14 percent is a horrible guess. I, I agree. Andre Semenez, I think he'll be fine. I don't want I don't need him to hit 300 and be a. a all-star starting second baseman, you know, just to get the clutch hits, which he's been doing. And uh, one of the analysts and when they were in Baltimore had brought up how he was getting too far out in front and not letting his arms do their thing. Uh, I don't remember the explanation word for word, but that at bat that they were talking about how he approached the, the, how he needs to approach it. He did exactly what he needed to do and got a nice opposite field hit. Uh, the same thing with Quan. He's an, it's a second season. Not every rookie just, you know, hits the ground running and never stops. You know, sometimes they stumble, but for the most part, he's still been playing well. Ahmed Rosario, he has moments where he'll get four hits and then he'll have moments where he just does too much. And that's another thing that the analyst talked about was he goes up there with the mind. It seems like he goes up every at bat with the mentality of I can get a hit off of anything. No, sir, you cannot get a hit <laughs> off of anything. You, you might get bad on ball, but we need you to get a hit or uh, advance the runner. But when you're swinging at anything and everything, sure, you might make contact, but then you're going to have a little fly ball to the to the outfield to where you can't move the runner up. You know, it, he's just not been good offensively. He has not been good defensively, and I think we just need to either cut him to maybe relegate them to the bench. I don't know, but we have enough kids in the farm system that are more than deserving to be up here. You can make the argument, yeah, they can get more development in in AAA. Well, what what's going to help them in AAA if they're not up here getting experience here? It can't hurt any more than it's already hurting to have a, uh, a rookie up here, a young guy, uh, just you know finding his footing like we did last year. I've already said how Zanino needs to go. 
Uh, Cam oh, Gallagher God. needs to go. They just need to bring up Bo. Let him. Or the reason that they have kept Bo in the minors is because not because it's bad. It's because he's not good at throwing runners out. And at well, this guess point, what? he ain't going to learn that down there anymore. <laughs> he's not going to learn it down there. Cam Gallagher and Mike Zanino are absolute cheeks at throwing runners out. Well, it, okay, fine. But Bo Naylor hits better than both of them. Almost, I mean, not entirely combined because that would put them over 300. But uh, if Bo can, you know, score a few more runs, have a few more more productive at bats, I would rather have him there struggling with throwing runners out and learning with the big guys than watching Zanino strike out in every big situation. And the same thing with Gallagher. Although Gallagher has shown that he's almost had some better at bats than what Zanino has, so maybe flip flop their roles. Bell just needs to. Like I said earlier in the episode, relax and just do his thing. And I think this team is really starting to come around. They're giving Will Brennan the opportunity to play as much as he can. And he's been really playing well and hitting. And he's a good defensive uh, first baseman, let alone he flies on the base path. So Uh they just need to. He stole a job this year. I mean, if you think about it, he stole uh, SpongeBob's job. Yeah. Yep. Although SpongeBob's having a good year in AAA right now, so I think it's only a matter of time before he comes back up. Well, bring him uh, up then. You need all the bat help you can get. Shoot, we need... tr- give him a new position at this point. <laughs> I was going to say, have Oscar train at first. If Bell's not going to do much to help you out, even though, sure, he might have the most RBIs on the team, I would rather have Oscar up here struggling and whatnot, but playing every day than uh-huh. than Bell, and you save some money. But alas, to finish it, I think the Guardians will continue to uh, improve as they are, and they're going to make make this more interesting with Minnesota than just always sitting three and a half to five and a half games back. But with that, let's go ahead head into our uh, final segment of the episode, Bach Talk. Richie, what do you got? All right. Well, I was going to ask, do you want to save your question for me for last or would you like to go first? What would you like? Uh, I'll go ahead and just get it out of the way now. OK, so whatever you want. I mean, I'm sure I'm glad to let you be the home, the bringer around if you want to do it. It's up to you. Oh, I, 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 It's exciting to kind of lead this off because this is my first okay. Bach Talk question. All right, you lead you. it off then. I'm excited. I'm excited to be so, on the receiving end of a Bach Talk question. All right. Uh, Bach or walk. Is this the worst MLB contract of all time? Uh, Steven Strasburg. We just oh. got word that he so he helps the Nationals win their first World Series championship in Washington in 2019. He's the MVP, if I remember correctly. Uh, he was in a option year, threatened the Nationals. Hey, I'm going to leave if you don't pay me. They gave him seven years, and I think it was 245 million, roughly. Something like uh, that. And in, in, in the four years since. He has pitched, I think, eight games with 38 innings, something like that. Uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but he is roughly in the allotted starts that he could have made, uh, made about 10% of the appearances he should have, roughly. Uh, So with all of that and the fact that they could have used that money on other pieces to keep them there, Walker Walk is Strasburg's contract the worst of all time. I'm going to have to walk with you because I'm trying to think of any worse deals out there. And really nothing sits in my head. There's been deals that have been bad. And I mean, like we can go down the list of like bad deals, even on our own teams back in the day and things like that. Mm -hmm. 
and, and I'm just trying to think back in my head. That, that Bobby kid Benilla, has, that's just a stupid yeah, one. Bobby but Benilla in terms of this, stupid. I mean, a lot of it's just deferred money stupidity stuff. Yeah. Which is fine. That's that's a team's choice if they want to defer money like that. More than anything, I don't consider them bad deals more than just mm-hmm. like weird and you don't whatever. This deal has to be one of the worst. So I'm gonna yep. walk with you on it, if not the worst. This kid mm-hmm. has was lights out, and this is what makes me so hesitant with Andrew Painter. He came up and Strasburg was ridiculous. Here's where I think the Nationals went wrong. Mm-hmm. I think they tried to hyper micromanage him way too much the whole yeah. once you hit this amount of innings we're shutting you down thing because i remember that i forget what oh, year yeah. that was but that was early on in the, his career was you that know, after a tommy john i think it was after a tommy john or maybe yeah. it was after a tommy john or it was right at right something around that yeah that was nuts you can't just hold somebody back when their arm is stretched out let him go at that point there's nothing you can do by holding him back he had the most ridiculous stuff. I mean, I'm watching back. I remember watching back in the day and the, being like, this dude is the next real deal, like ace who's going to come up every fifth day and just destroy. He's going to be up there with the likes of Scherzer and Verlander. He's going to have a nice long career. He's just going to destroy people. And even when the flamethrower arm dies out, maybe he'll go and he'll learn kind of how to either he'll keep his flamethrower arm or he'll learn how to pitch with his stuff. Cause he's got a lot of filthy breaking stuff. And then I also feel really bad for him because the amount of injuries this dude has gone through has been obscene. He has had some of the worst injury luck I have seen of anybody. And it's like not even like right forearm strain or stuff like that. It's like UCL Tommy John, like we mentioned earlier. It's nerve damage now as the one that I just saw recently. It's 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 not to cut you off. Yeah, go ahead, please. That nerve damage is where that contract's coming up from because the general consensus is he's never going to pitch a major league inning again. And it's sad because when he first came up, he was electric. I went to his first road game because his first road start was in Cleveland against the, at the time Indians. And he was absolutely filthy. He was, it was so hyped when he made his debut that they had uh, Steven Strasburg nationals jerseys in the Indians team shop. He was he was a fun player to watch in person from a distance and to see him if this is if we've really seen the last of Steven Strasburg pitching in a major league game, I am beyond ecstatic that he was able to get a ring. He was able to do it in Washington, and that kind of just helped solidify his career. But this nerve issue that he's having that's pretty much put a cap on it, it's just really sad to see because what could have been? the litany of you know crazy weird uh thorough injuries that he's had yeah who knows how good and what numbers he could have put because the ones that he has put out when he's been on his game have been elite he's been absolutely elite he reminds me very much so of like when in he was derailed by injuries which is exactly what honestly it was kind of heartbreaking when you saw doc holiday do the same thing but yep. you kind of knew the writing was on the wall when you saw him go through the injuries and his stuff was just gone. And now credit yep. to Doc. Doc realized my stuff is shot. I'm done. And just yep. walked away. I don't think Scherzer ever got or Scherzer. I'm sorry. Strasburg ever got a chance to do that. To no. be also fair, I don't think he's more than I don't know. He can't be. He's got to be under 30 still, isn't he? Or if anything, he's, he might be just turning 30. That is, that's where I was going to say. Doc 
was more understandable because he was getting up there in age a little bit. Yeah. I mean, sure, he could have had you know a few more years, but just to see his stuff fall off was sad. But he, you know, read the writing on the wall and walked away before it could really take a nosedive. Whereas Strasburg is not going to have the elongated career that Doc Holliday had. And on for any of these guys. Yeah. I mean, it's it's similar to some degree uh, to Sandy Koufax. Sandy had a very short career, but the numbers that he put up were obviously good enough to still get him into the Hall of Fame. But I think if I remember correctly, I think he had arthritis or he had something in his elbow yeah, to where he, if he kept it. If he kept throwing, his arm would have been shot and it could have been catastrophic for him. So he walked away before, you know, it could really get bad for him just on a health standpoint, let alone just how my numbers look. But, yeah, it's it's sad because we're not going to be able to see Strasburg ebb and flow with age and uh, years and wear and tear on that arm. I, I'm not even sure how old he is, but I mean, you want to talk about a guy whose career, really, if you look at it, his career is really the length of about three seasons. That's it. Yeah. Three seasons uh, of a guy who was so hyped and just kept yep. running into injury after injury. And I don't know where the nerve damage one came from. I mean, he's had so many freaky things. And I, and I say this not because I blame him. A lot of this is all mm-hmm. out of his control. This is not yeah. like he's going out there and going skydiving and like landing on his arm or something like that yeah. or doing anything stupid. He's just been really unlucky. And yeah. it's a darn shame, but I have to walk with you. It has to be one of the worst contracts because there had to be writings on the wall that things were going bad and nobody caught it. And there was no... And if I was the Nationals, yeah. there had to be some clause in there for injury for him. I don't I was going to say because who in their and, right mind didn't put it in there because he's been hurt it, all the time. I was going to just ask and put it as put yourself in, you know, the national shoes and Rizzo's shoes and the front office. Could you let him walk? No. If you had the chance like they did to extend him, you had to do it. And I don't blame them for doing it, but there should have been some clauses there because there had, like you said, there had to have been writing on the wall and, it's it's just a sad situation, no matter how you look at it. For so here's what I would here's what I would counter about that is: should you let him walk? Should That's you have? Ca- I agree with you at the time. No, absolutely yeah. right. You're correct. Here's the other clause: without the clauses in there, let's just assume the contract is what it is right now. Because of that contract, you lost Trey Turner, and then most recently you lost Juan Soto. All of that, if I had to guess, has to do with that contract. And I bet you it's panic because. Whoever the owner is of the Nationals doesn't want to have that the happen. Learners. Yeah. Nope. They're, so that's that's it. So that's the thing with with pitchers and the risk you take when you give pitchers a a big massive contract because in my opinion they have the biggest asterisk and what if in in terms of injuries than what players do. I mean, you look at. Ooh. Uh, the injury Josh Naylor had a few years ago that was absolutely grotesque with his ankle. Oh, uh, for a hitter, rough. yeah, for a hitter, any leg injury or ankle injury like that is is concerning. But when it comes to pitchers, I mean, their productivity and career livelihood hinges on one area of their arm. If anything remotely 
minuscule happens to it, it can just completely screw up their lives, let alone their careers. And then the investment that you just made into that body part. I'll give so, you a great example of that too. And I'm sorry I cut you off, but no, you're good. That, the, that was it. the great example of this, and I wasn't, I didn't have a way of segueing it in, but you just gave it to me. So thank you. Um, mm-hmm. There was an article that came out recently with Thor and he yes. said, you know, what I I would give my theoretical firstborn to be able to pitch like I could ever since mm-hmm. that injury. He, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I wouldn't be shocked if this is his last year in baseball. And that's embarrassing. That's so sad to say, because he's such a talented guy. Yeah. And I'm sure somebody will give him a shot. And, you know, I, I mean, everybody's always if hunting for another pitcher it. if he even wants it. But his numbers are gone. He can't top out at 95 any, ninety-five to 97 anymore. He's throwing 92 at the most. He's relying so heavily on his slider. Everything is gone. And he feels terrible about it. Now, he, now I, I hope he can try to figure it out. I mean, I kind of, even when he was in Philly, he was trying to figure out how I can pitch with not heat and have to use stuff. But flamethrowers sometimes just don't know how to do it. Because they relied so no. heavily on that fastball to make everything else look great. When you take the weapon away, which is their heat, the breaking yeah. stuff is only average and it gets yep. destroyed. I hope uh, it's the same thing. That injury could have is pretty much putting the icing on the cake on his his long term thing. He was supposed to be one of those guys that made those massive deals. He's had midway mm-hmm. deals ever since then, and he's done. Really, in my yep. opinion, I, I I think he's cooked. Um, I agree. As sad as that is to say, we look at Chris Sale yeah. as another one we talked about all the yeah. time. I mean, he's having a good year so far this year, but still night and day from what he was. But I'm I'm glad that my buck or walk question got a uh, walk from you. So, what are the couple that you have for me this? Yeah, week? I was going to say I'm sorry we got on a rant there, but that was a great topic to start balk talk with. With that, we're going to bring it around back to your guardians. How's that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know you're thrilled, but you'll actually be enjoying this conversation because I think that you've kind of already mentioned it, but we're going to still give you the floor anyway. Uh, Tristan McKenzie returned yesterday. And what I was really impressed by is, well, also his stuff looks like his stuff. Uh, he seems more of a leader than I could ever recall. He seems very grounded in taking a leadership role. I heard his interview after, uh, before his game. And he just seemed like the guy. Like it was yeah. kind of like the guy. Superman has returned and put his cape back on. The locker room guy is here. And we're ready mm-hmm. to fly now. Balker walk. McKenzie with McKenzie returning. McKenzie's return could be the turning point for the Guardians to turn the corner of the season. It's tough to say one way or the other because at the end of the day, their their struggles have been pretty much all offensive based especially with the fact that there's been so many one or two run losses that they've had. Uh-huh. But I would be lying if I said I wasn't thinking that same exact thing. I'm going to walk you on it because of that exact reason. Whenever he was traveling with the Cub club, at least when he wasn't playing, you just saw him up there with any uh, certain player just talking it with him, you know, shooting the stuff, laughing, uh, just keeping it loose. So I, I definitely think that his return can help turn these guys around. And I wouldn't entirely, in all honesty, be opposed to having him be the ace 
and maybe not this year, but maybe in like the off season or whatnot, if Bieber were to get moved, I think McKenzie could do a very good job being the ace and the guy, one of the guys on the team in general, but of the pitching staff. I would put a C on his shirt. That's how confident I am that he would be. He's kind of the captain of that squad. I would mm-hmm. say give it to him now. And he's like, what, 25? Uh, yeah, he's young. Give him a C now. I'd make him my, I. that's my focal point. I'd build around yep. that. Not saying any disrespect to Bieber. Again, we both agree Bieber's a great pitcher. I think Bieber's time there is done. Mm-hmm. And I think he's the captain and the going forward. I like it. I'm going to need you to talk me off a ledge now. Oh. On my next one. Balker Walk, the Phillies are officially out of the NL East race and should only focus on the wild card. Is this one of the ones that you said to me off the air that you think you're definitely going to get me to balk on? I did not. No, this one's not one of them. Actually, I mean, it sort of is, but yeah. I'm balking you on it. I don't think they should give up on the East just yet. Now, do they need to act as though their butt's not to the fire? No. You have an Atlanta Braves team who, whilst I thought they would be good this year, are kind of playing a little bit better than even I thought. But being the defending National League champions with arguably an improved team, an improved bullpen, an improved lineup, I think the rotation is the one question mark for me, at least. I, if I were you, would not give throw in the towel yet on division because you go out there, you get who knows you take a flyer on Zach Plesak as your number five just to you know for giggles take a flyer on anybody as my number five at this point exactly but you get someone that's in a situation where they might not be melding well in 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 that team in that club bring them to yours change of scenery that can we've seen it countless times in your and I's baseball fandom career lives where a change of scenery and someone looks like either their old self or they turn it up to the nth degree and you're like, who in the world is this dude? Don't give up yet, in my opinion. Get a starter. Know that Trey Turner is going to figure it out. Forber, if you give him time and give him his his chance, he's going to figure it out. Casty's looking good, like you mentioned. You have Harper back in that lineup. There's a lot to be excited about. Stott looks good. Boom looks uh, looks great. Marsh, I think, has come back down to earth a little bit, but well, he's like turning back now. around. Boom's on the IL, sadly, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's same kind of thing. They're both yeah, they're the kids that are there are doing their jobs. Yes, so I would I would give it time. Maybe know that your your more likely option is is the wild card, but I think you're not out of the East just yet. I was hoping to just be able to just let that go. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Dang. All right. We mentioned him earlier today, and it's kind of an interesting one that uh, you and I have talked about. Uh, Kodak Senga has come on uh, on the scene this year with lots of expectations. And in my opinion, he has not delivered. Balker Walk, you view the Kodai Senga signing as a bust. Uh, Walk. Right now, there's no other way to look at it. He's just had a ton of struggles. Maybe there could be a, well, Verlander was hurt for a while and he's not been, you know, the his self that he was in Houston. I'm not going to count Detroit. That was something completely different. But he hasn't been what he was in Houston the past few years. Scherzer has been off, which I think Scherzer's thing is all mental. 
with the rule change and stuff because he will not stop crying about the stupid pitch clock. Yeah, it might be over obsessed with by MLB. Uh, you know, there's been plenty of times where it's like, oh, come on. You know, you look at whatever violation it was, and it's just the dumbest, pettiest little ticky tacky call. But I could easily see Sanga just trying to shoulder too much uh, expectation and to try too hard, uh, especially with knowing how New York really should be playing at the end of the day. But oh. yeah, at, as in the current moment, it's a bust. Yeah, I think. Honestly, so when I watched him, and I mean, the Phillies made him look like he was Cy Young, because that's what we do. <laughs> I mean, we just obviously have to make him look like he's Cy Young. But yeah. when I watched him, he has one pitch, and it's the mm. Ghost Fork. And his Ghost yeah. Fork is ridiculous. And I mean, it's an awesome name. Like, let's just be honest. Could there be a cooler name to a pitch than Ghost huh. Fork? The only other cool name that I could think of was the Gyro Ball, basically, back in the day. But yeah. from Dice K. You look at his numbers. And I mean, they're not horrendous. I say that mm-hmm. full well. In his last seven games, he's two and three, three point four four ERA, thirty-six innings, twenty-four, twenty-nine hits, fourteen earned runs, twenty-two walks, forty-eight Ks. Mm-hmm. I consider him average. Now, when I signed him, I'm expecting him not to be just average. I mean, he's five and three with a three point seven five ERA. I don't think he has a lot of stuff. I think his stuff is fastball, ghost fork. That's it. His fastball mm-hmm. is flatter, though, in sin. If you sit fastball and you don't chase the ghost fork, you'll kill him. It, it, like, destroy him. He is mm-hmm. super gettable. But, yeah, I, I agree. I think his signing was a bit of a bust. I think he was kind of overblown. I think he got overpaid, honestly. Mm-hmm. And granted, he got paid by the Mets, so everybody by the huh. Mets gets overpaid. Freaking yeah. Brandon Nimmo is another one that's overpaid and she never well. That if you were to make that the question out of boxer on it, I think he's actually to some I maybe not the exact dollar he got in you know in the nine digits, but I think Nemo actually has made a case for earning his the bang for his buck. I know he has. He's just a blowhard. <laughs> you just hate him. him. <laughs> I, I don't. Can't blame I him. don't. I can't do the. And I'm sorry. I'm going on a mini Brandon Nemo rant here. I can't do the fake run down to first base thing. I can't do the elated, I made a great catch out in center field, so I'm going to freak out and celebrate all the time. Like, I'm sorry. That catch he made against Castellanos was a good catch. It wasn't that great. It wasn't a guaranteed home run that (laughs) he jumped over the wall and stole. It was a good play that he ran down, but he freaked Mm -hmm. out like he won the World Series on it, and I just could not. There's nobody in this world that makes my skin crawl more than him. And arguably the only other one that does is the flipping polar bear. And that's just because he thinks he's cooler than anything. And he's not. No. So not cool. I'm going to be ah. a jerk to you before we go on to the next Bok Talk. Go question. ahead. Would you hate him as much if Nemo was in your center field and Alonzo was your first I baseman? I would never want him in my center field. <laughs> I, would, I would trade him. I can't. I'm not kidding with you. I don't want Nemo uh, ever in my field. I will. Pete. No, I don't. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Give me Reese uh, Hoskins before you give me Pete Alonzo. Oh, I would I love so it. much rather. Oh, uh, I can't. I can't do it. It's They're tainted for me. They're ruined. It's like a, you know, it's over. <laughs> I balk you on your question. Anyway, <laughs> last one. Balker Walk, Texas, who has been unreal this year. 
Texas is the most complete team in the league right now. I have not gotten and to I'm watch. And I'm considering a lot. the Rays in there with them too. So I'm I I put this in very high esteem. Yeah, uh, with you. So I wouldn't be surprised if you maybe balked on this one too, but I, you might not. So I I have not watched as much of the Rangers as I would like because of how well and how surprising they have played. But when you've got a team with Evaldi pitching the way he is, whenever he can stay off the darn injured list, when you have DeGrom, who even while being injured, whenever he does come back for the couple of pitches that he's able to throw before he goes right back on to the IL. Which just got transferred to the 60-day IL, might I add, really quick. Oh, I'm not surprised. (laughs) Then you have Corey Seager. You have Marcus Simeon. You have Adolis Garcia. That uh, I think it's Nathaniel Low. 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 Wow. No, his is low because the Lau brothers are in um, Tampa. Oh, Tampa. Brandon Lau and You're Josh right. Lau. They are a – I'm going to – you know what? I'm going to walk you on it because they just look so good, and they are consistently battling with Houston. You know, Houston has not just been rock solid on the top since game one. And if I'm being honest, I don't see it being Houston running away with it. Do I think Houston wins the division still? I'm going to say yes, because they've earned that. And they have a great team. When you have Jordan Alvarez, you're going to have a good team, uh, regardless of who else you have. But, no, I I really like Texas. And, I mean, who knows? We'll see how October goes if they get there. Maybe they can actually finish it this time. I'm going to give you the reasons why I put this question out there and why I take this stance. Uh-huh. Obviously, their record is fine. They're 38 and 20. That's fine. They are behind. Obviously, they're behind as far as record goes. They're the second best team in the league minus Tampa Bay. Yeah. Tampa Bay is 42 and 19. They have a run differential of 152 right now. Ah, God. They have, oh. they are beating Tampa Bay by 30 runs in run differential. Not surprised. Just to give you an idea, uh, their expected win loss currently right now. Like if everything was simulated and everything went the way that it should in theory, their expected win loss right now is supposed to be 42 and 16, not 38 and 20. So they blew obviously a couple games where they should have won. They are ridiculous. And this is obviously without DeGrom now, who is obviously hurt, but they are still so good and so loaded. And Evaldi is pitching so good. So why didn't we sign him? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I wanted Cleveland to sign him too. That would have been great. However, he would not be, you know, he wouldn't have some of the totals he had this time, if well, this time, that he has in Texas if he were in Cleveland because we can't score runs. You know, our negative 31 is a little bit different than that plus 130, whatever the hell you just said. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, what a time. But that was the Bach Talk for this week, my friend. I give it to you to send us home. All righty, guys. We want to thank you for coming out to our normal typical really long mini feature length <laughs> episode of what's on second a true baseball podcast uh this one was really fun i mean honestly this whole season's been a blast as we've kind of found our footing uh the last couple episodes that we did the part one and part two for episode nine of the of the season uh, that was a lot of fun kind of getting to give our predictions and then having that big Bach talk episode. That was a great idea on for Richie to come up with and then 
me wanting to push for having his title, what we almost called this show. And it's it's made it actually kind of funny, too. Uh, walking or walking. But, uh, yeah, guys, once again, thanks for joining us. Hit up those socials. Tell us what you think of uh, our thoughts on the seven teams that really could rebound. Does Cleveland have a shot? Does Philly have a shot? Is Texas going to dethrone Houston, win the West, maybe make a play, uh, World Series run, a deep playoff run? If you want to find the names to our handles on Instagram and Twitter, head back to those previous episodes. We're still trying to figure out a way to make them both the same, make it a little easier to look up and find. Hopefully soon, too, we'll get back to being a little more active on it. I haven't been the one, you know, giving any effort into it. It's all been Richie, so... I'd like to Richie hasn't been myself. doing a very good job either, so he takes oh, no, no, no. that. <laughs> and Michael hasn't done a single thing either, but that's all right. No, we, we want to hear from you guys. We want to know what you'd like us to talk about, laugh, rant, and rave. And uh, we hope to see you next week out there on the Diamond. 